Thank you for coming this afternoon. Uh, we're going to continue with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. Uh, we are now on the uh, fourth and fifth divisions of the fourfold presentation by Jiva Goswami uh, supporting the Pariva Sutra that states that this book is about Krishna, this Bhagavat Purana. And you can't really see it as this this is the key to understanding the literature and if we if we take this one purana and try to observe it uh, in light of any other uh, conclusion uh, we're going to miss the point of the whole literature basically now uh, as we've discussed many times uh, the emphasis that the Gaudiya tradition puts on the on the Bhagavat Purana is uh, is unprecedented in Vaishnavism that uh, generally to, to take this one literature and and hold it up as more informative that it informs us more than any other literature about the nature of the Supreme Absolute Truth uh, is not widely accepted, except in our Gaudiya tradition. Uh, generally, the other Vaishnava traditions accept, accept the Prastana Trayi, that they accept as their main evidence regarding God or the Absolute Truth. Uh, the supreme being or the supreme concept of the absolute reality, uh, they base, especially in Vaishnava traditions, which accept that the ultimate manifestation of the supreme has to be a manifestation wherein we see uh, a personality. In other words, God can't be any less than we are in his individual individuality and his his you know how could how could something that's that's a devoid of uh, characteristics like uh, thinking feeling and willing uh, be a personality that uh, stands as the background for the material creation and our own manifestation our own creation I mean if you don't have a will a willingness then what is the question of willing into existence a manifestation which which we currently inhabit if you don't have a willingness then what is the question of, of having personalities people individuals different species of life I mean how how could any of what we have direct experience of pratyaksha that's one of the methods of knowing something is through experience. So we are experiencing our existence. I don't think any of us could deny that we have some, there's something going on here. It's not, I mean, it endures for a considerable amount of time. So, I mean, how can we just discount that it, that it, that what we're living in a dream of our own creation we're dreaming each other up. We're dreaming up the circumstances we're putting put in. I mean, it's, it's it's a hard pill to swallow if you really want to go down that road. So, of course, we know we're not we're not really we are not really quick to accept this Dwayton viewpoint that in the ultimate issue, it's only spirit, spiritual energy. Okay, so it's a spiritual energy, but it's doing something. If it's doing something, then it that doing, that manifesting, has to involve some willing. And willing, from our experience, requires somebody has to be behind the willingness. We want something to happen. We, we put our effort into it. We desire it, and we work towards it. So all this just happened, what, the Big Bang Theory or 
So we have a hard time accepting that. So Vaishnavas at least accept that God's a person. So which manifest, which God, how does he manifest? What are his characteristics? What's his personality? Uh, is he that, you know, old man with the long beard that sits on a throne in the clouds and simply, you know, looks down upon us and judges everything we do and, and you know, mets out uh, some, some reaction or, uh, you know, destroys us, carries us into oblivion. What's the substance from which we're made? Could it be anything different from himself, which is a whole, gets us into a whole, you know, uh, epistemology, a, a whole school of knowledge, which uh, affords us an opportunity to understand the nature of the Supreme Lord. So this is a unique, uh, it is unique in that we, we have come to, through the dispensation of the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we have come to this place at this time where in this association of Vaishnavas, we accept, uh, we've, we've been read into, so to speak, a, a secret cult formulated by the Lord himself when he came as a devotee 500 years ago, we're being read into this secret understanding that really, yes, there's a lot of knowledge out there and the Lord himself has imparted it to humanity, starting with Brahma and Brahma has uh, carried it forward through the progenitors and the devas uh, in the material manifestation and disseminated that knowledge. So here we have a situation where we have a tradition of people that believe in the Supreme Lord, but they're unique. They stand out. Now we think they stand out in an extraordinary way. Other Vaishnav traditions, people that accept the Vedas as the main source of knowledge, they don't see things the way we do. So this whole Sandarbha experience that we're going through is we're, we're being schooled through this study of the Sandarbhas by the topmost logician of his day, and probably up to today, there's not been anybody that's come near to just an, a justification. It's really what the Sandarbhas are. They're bringing out the essence. And it is a, an elaborate justification of the fact that two very important points of Sambandha Gyan or a spiritual framework, a groundwork upon which to have a deep spiritual understanding. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatva myas jnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti sabjate. And for us as Gaudias is to look at this statement and be so broad-minded in our approach to spirituality, that we're willing to accept that not everyone is going to see it our way. So right in the Bhagavatam, it's saying there are many seekers of that absolute truth, that supreme understanding, that deep spiritual knowledge that we all thirst for. There's, there's many people on, this, on such a path and it may not be our path, and that's okay. Some may just be interested in that Brahman aspect of the Supreme. They might, that might be fully satisfying to them, just to enter into their uh, enter into a I don't know what 
to us, it's spiritual suicide. So it's hard for us to to get into that mind frame. It's been beaten out of us from the day we first walked in the Gaudiya door. No, if you're a Mayavadi, don't come in. You won't find any satisfaction here. You will be at loggerheads with everybody in the in the in the sangha. You just it it won't work for you. So, you know, we put up a sign on the door: "No Mayavadis invited." And then we invite them in anyway because there's kirtan, and in hearing the kirtan, we know that if they're true spiritual seekers, their hearts will eventually melt. Or at least we hope so. And we have good reason to believe so because we saw that the leader of our group, our gang, the leader of their pack, he went into into their group and he sat humbly where they washed their feet and he, just by his effulgence of spiritual knowledge, he didn't really need to say a lot. They could see, you're one of us. You're a spiritual seeker. But then why aren't you like us? Because day and night, our spiritual seeking entails study of the Veda. That's all. That, this is where the truth is. This is where the, the real juice is of spiritual knowledge, of spiritual experience. So from morning to night, we need to study these Vedas because this is, this is where it's at. And you're out in the streets with a common man just singing and dancing. What, what's wrong with you, man? But his effulgence just overwhelmed them. But we can see there's something going on here. Please, you know, come and sit with us and so we can see that even the Mayavadis in the presence of, the, of a Mahabhagavat or the Lord himself, when he comes as the Mahabhagavat, can even influence people of that persuasion. Um, we should be a little reluctant to go there and try that until we're fully at a stage of realization where there's not a possibility of us being convinced uh, in a different way. And Lord Chaitanya himself said, stay away. Don't go there. I mean, if you look at Lord Chaitanya, he would have never went there. He wasn't really interested in preaching to the Mayavadis. But He's interested in reciprocating with his devotees. And his devotees were in anxiety. They're crying. We're living here in Varnasi. And, and, and they're just criticizing you. We can't take it. We're ready to kill ourselves. Just, just the way they talk about you. So he had no interest in them. But his devotees were in distress. So he himself says, well, I can't have my devotees, can't be sad. I don't, this is not, I have to do something about this. So yes, let me go there. And so it was just out of love for his devotees. It wasn't out of an interest for them. They'd already made pretty clear this as, as, as their whole way of thinking that uh, they're not interested in the personal representation of the Supreme. Yes, there can be some incarnation, but it's just some it's just some manifestation of, of the pure mode of goodness in the world. But ultimately you have to get beyond it. You have to get beyond that. And you have to you have to realize that we're all Narayan, all of us here, and ultimately we're going to we're going to accept a position free of all all designations. And all designations for them means not only material designations, which are a source of unlimited misery, but all spiritual designations. Because if it has a designation, then it has to be a source of misery. What a foolish understanding 
these Edwayans have. They, they can't grasp that there could be perfection in variety. Spiritual perfection. They see all variety as a source of misery. So if they see anything that has a characteristic, well, if it's a characteristic, then it means it's either hot or it's cold. It's good or it's bad. It's knowledgeable or it's ignorance and on and on. They only see material duality and they take that vision and they look to the spiritual realm and they say, that can't exist there. No, you just don't realize it exists there, but it exists there perfectly. There is variety there. There is hot and cold. There is competition. There is like and dislike. But it's all centered on the Supreme Personality. And because that's the center, then everything's in perfect harmony. So it's a deep understanding. And we're so this is the Mayavad. And then we go to the to the other Vaishnavs who accept that there has to be a personality. But as their evidence, they go, they they stick to the Vedanta Sutra, the Bhagavad Gita, and the main uh, Upanishads. And then all of a long, all of a sudden, along comes this aberration of a Vaishnav tradition that says, "Yeah, that's good. The Vedas are good. The Upanishads, yes, the Upanishadic portions of the Vedas." These give us great spiritual knowledge. The Vedanta Sutra gives us a true understanding by which we can understand, get a glimpse into the essence of what the Vedas are saying. And, of course, Bhagavad Gita, Gita Upanishad. This is, this is the best of both worlds. This is a, a literature of, of discourse where we can enter into, uh, through a narration, deep philosophical understanding. But there's more. There's more to this. And the compiler of the Vedic literature in the modern age, well, I guess that's probably a misnomer. We say modern age. What do you mean? The modern age. The modern age when... The Lord himself had to write down all this knowledge. But that's really not the modern age. That's the, that's the antithesis of modern. Because this is the age where we have hardly any brain substance. We have hardly anything spiritually going for us. We're, we're overwhelmed by the mode of ignorance. So much so that we can, can't remember what day of the week it is what to speak of, of what's spoken in the Vedas. So we call it the modern age. Really, it's, it's not very modern, is it? It's really the age of quarrel and hypocrisy. It's really the age where knowledge is very hard to come by. We have to pound it into our head. Now knowledge has become something that's simply a... Uh, a temporary uh, flicker uh, long enough to to acquire a little bit of, of superficial knowledge just long enough to pass an exam and then off, throw it out. Then you walk out of college with what? That ability to do what? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so... Bhakti Ross was just telling me, her daughter, Shamsaki, I mean, she went to school and she, she got there and she started hearing this guy and all the guy was doing is saying, now this is the way you pass the quiz. I'll tell you what you learn. No, I came here to learn a, some how to do something in life and you're teaching me how to answer the questions you're going to write down on a piece of paper? What about the theory? What about what I want to acquire knowledge? No, 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 you just have to pass the class. That's where the class, okay, I'm out of here. I'm done. What, what good is that? I'm not saying all educators are like that, but at least now 
we can see that that's come into this society in a very negative way, and it's very unfortunate. Um, anyway, I'm not here to 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 get into social. Uh, I would never be able to finish. We would be we would be here. You know, don't get me started. I guess is what I need to say. So this unique understanding where the that personality of the of Godhead who came into the current age of mankind and gave us uh, the written word, right? He wrote it all down. So we could say he gave us the written word of, of the Supreme, of the written word of God. And he was God himself, a manifestation, had the Shaktis of the Lord. Um, Krishna Dvaipayana Vyas. And he's done with all that, trying to do the best for humanity, and what? He's not happy. Not a ha not happy. So you know the story. We now have the Bhagavat Parada. He says, let me take this, this Parada, this Parada, I, I need to rewrite it and put the emphasis on the nature of the Supreme Lord. This is really the essence of Vedic understanding, developing a loving relationship with the Lord. This is the quintessential. This is the fifth attainment. Artha, Dharma, Kama, Moksha, and then Prem. So Prem, this is the real essence. Let me give you a literature that takes you to this conclusion and concentrates on this conclusion. So we're un unique because we say, well, if that's if this is the literature that gives us the deepest understanding of the conclusion of all the Vedic knowledge that Srila Vyasadeva had to offer, and it came about after he tasted personally through revelation a relationship with the Supreme, then why do we need to concern ourselves with any other literature. You don't. What? We don't? Oh, what kind of religion do you have? You, all, your whole religion is contained in one little, you know, 18,000 verse presentation? Yes, it's all contained there. It's contained there to such an extent that we could never, diving into that ocean of understanding, of Prem Bhakti, of the Lord's internal Swarup Shakti is presented in this Bhagavat Purana. Just dip, just taking a little dive in there, we can never, we can, we cannot even fathom the depth of this knowledge. We see the Goswamis, the Goswamis coming, you know, after Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're giving all these literatures. All these literatures are just a, just a, a further, a further unpacking of just the surface water of the Bhagavat Purana. It's just this, you know, they're, 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 they're giving us an indication. Here, start here. Dive here. You can get this and this and this. You know, Sanatana Goswami, Brihat Bhagavata Mrita, here's the essence of the essence of the Bhagavatam. But who could reach the the depth of that understanding. We can read the, the commentaries of the, of the great Vaishnavas in our tradition on the Bhagavatam, and it's there's such a such a variety and such a depth of understanding from all of them, and they're all right. Their commentary on any one verse is perfect, and the other ones are perfect too. They're all perfect because they're all coming to one conclusion. These Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami are here to establish us in that conclusion in the most profound and provocative and dignified way, using the essence of all philosophies, using the essence. Now we're in a section of, 
of interpretation. If you're going to look at scripture, how do you interpret it? Hermeneutics. We're in a section where he's using hermeneutics to, to, to support it. So we're unique. We're accepting the Bhagavad Purana, and he's here to show us that this, this is unique, this literature. This literature outshines all literatures, all the other Puranas. Everything is pointing towards this. This is the, truly, this is the sun. It's arisen. Krishna disappeared, and here, it, here he came again. There's no distinction there. So as much as you could have in Krishna's association, you can have from this literature. Because you can enter into the essence in such a way that you'll fully understand his character. So we're in that section, Krishna Sandarbha, and he's now he's now saying that, okay, we as Vaishnavas have the most liberal viewpoint. That we can we can accept that there are people approaching spirituality and they have different viewpoints. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti Subjate. Now we come to Bhagavaniti Subjate. Okay, that that supreme personality has characteristics. Well, which characteristics, which personality of the personality of Godhead has the very best characteristics of Godhead. So there's very the Lord has uncountable manifestations. We 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 could never come to an end of it. So if we're going to look at all these manifestations, if we're going to first of all, as Vaishnavs, accept that a personality is the highest manifestation, so we're going to go we're. And we're going to go beyond the personality of God that is simply the creator, the maintainer, the protector. We're going to go beyond that because it's kind of a very uh, pedestrian viewpoint. Oh, God, give us this day our daily bread. Please, save Aunt Louie you know, from cancer or, you know, get my kid off of drugs or do something for me, will you? I'm, life's not the way I want it to be, so you need to intervene and make my life perfect. Okay. Krishna's like, okay. In his Paramatma feature, he functions somewhat in that capacity. He does, you know, he does dispatch his different emissary, you know, representatives to to get us out of jams and, and help us along but what about God I mean we're worried about us we're worried about how we feel how we experience things how we what's what's best in my what's in my best interest what's good for my family what about God's family what about his interest so that's that's a whole different viewpoint so Paramatma is a nice feature of God to see him as, the, as your order supplier. He's provided everything here. He's the creator, the maintainer, and the destroyer, you know, uh, he, in so many ways. And then he manifests as the, the Guna avatars, goodness, passion, and ignorance, keeping everything going. But what about God? What about his, what about his pleasure? What about his enjoyment? What happens if we turn it around and start thinking about what's his, what's in his interest? That's a whole other viewpoint. So then we go to the Bhagavan. This is this is this is more. He 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 can he contains everything. All these opulences, wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, renunciation. He's the quintessential of all these things. So in seeing those characteristics in him, 
and not simply his ability to satisfy us to work in our best interest, we say, well, he has he can have his own agenda. Look, he has everything. And in having everything, he does have some interest in us. But what if we turn it around and make him the center of our interest? So which manifestation of the Lord is the best reciprocator of that kind of an approach? That's the, that's the next question. If we're going to get beyond Brahman, if we're going to get beyond Paramatma, we're going to embrace Bhagavan, then what kind of relationship do we want with that Supreme Personality in his supreme all-encompassing reality? Do we simply want to live on the same planet as he does? Do we want to look like he does? Do we want to have the same opulences that he does? So these different liberations may be our aspers, may be the intent of our our approach to him. Well, that's kind of still in the in the what can what have you done for me lately or what what can I get out of the relationship there's still a little bit of a, a business arrangement there let me worship and purify purify myself of everything associated with your external energy I'm willing to do that but I want more than heaven for that I want more than just enhanced enjoyment to the nth degree uh, from the material viewpoint, I want I want liberation, and in that liberation, I want to be able to I want to be able to live with you. I want to be able to have your opulences. I want to be able to have your form, salokya, samipya, sorupya, and uh, and I want to have your association. So those kind of relationships with the supreme are certainly commendable but it still falls into a into a modified liberated state right a, a modified by a little desire on our part not necessarily a bad thing but not the absolute best thing so for the best thing at the very beginning of this book we get the second foundational key to the Gaudiya Vaishnav approach to spirituality. And that key is this Parivas Sutra, Vedanti, not Vedanti, uh, um, Lokam, anyway, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, I can't think of the full verse, excuse me. So Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, of all these different manifestations of the Lord, of all the different incarnations, of all the avatars, the Purusha avatars, the Guna avatars, the Leela avatars, the Manvantaras, the Yuga avatars, you know, all these manifestations, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the topmost. So this is a Gaudiya viewpoint. So Jiva's first in the Tattva Sandarbhi establishes that this Bhagavat Purana, this is as brilliant as the sun, this is the quintessential way of understanding the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Absolute Truth. And then in the very beginning of the book, we have this Parivas Sutra, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And now, before he lets takes us on a deep dive into developing our love for Bhagavan, he schools us now in this Krishna Sandarbha in this form of Bhagavan is what the book is about. And throughout the book we can't we can't we can't really understand the book unless we see it through this lens.
That's what he's doing here in the Krishna Sandarbha. And next, then he will he will give us the essence of bhakti. How do we actually conduct our affairs? Abhideya, how do we work in devotion to develop the selfless devotion that allows us audience with this manifestation of Godhead? How do we do that? How how can we how can we get there? That we're we're not we want to really we want this this highest of goals. This fifth goal, Prem Bhakti. We want to be immersed in this conception. So back to where we are, where he's now. We're coming, you know, towards about the midway point in the Krishna Sandarbha, and he's he's making he's making the point that this statement is the bedrock of understanding the Bhagavad Purana through all the, its declarative the statements in the book the narrations in the book the beginning questions and answers in the book there's nowhere we can go in this literature where we cannot see that this manifestation of the Supreme Lord is the subject of this Purana So the last discussion, we're now, as I said, in the third and fourth divisions. He's now making the points, and now it's getting a little technical, and he's using uh, uh, the, the science of, of interpretation, hermeneutics, which has two divisions, Satpranam and uh, Sadlinga. And the Satpranam, he's now introducing uh, the six, six aspects of that, the six pramans, the six ways in a literary presentation to determine what it's about. What what is the, what is a literature about? How how do we determine what that is? Well, we know that his objective is, is to show that it's Krishna, but now he's going to say, and if we look at the 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 methodology of the interpretation of this scripture and all of the all the ways to arrive at the proper interpretation, we can only come to the conclusion that Krishna is the subject. So first he opens up with the primary uh, pramana of uh, uh, Sat Pramana, uh, the hermeneutic uh, understanding, with uh, Shruti and Linga. And in the last discussion, we went over that. Shruti is a declarative statement. We have one. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And Linga is an inferential mark, a signifier. The words are signifying uh, in a certain way. So we're going to continue for a little while here. In the next subsection, this is a very long anacheta. Anacheta, again, means section. Each section of the Sandarbhas, um, in each section, which is called an anacheta, Jiva Goswami is trying to make a philosophical point. So now he's dealing with this philosophical um, division, uh, Sat Pranam, and now we're on the uh, third of those which is vakya, sentence or syntactical connection. So we're going to read his Anucheta, uh part of it, because, again, this gets uh, very uh, technical. And the reason it gets technical is because he's relying upon hermeneutics as a way, as the way that uh, Purva Mimamsa, or the ritualistic aspects of the Vedas, uh, arrive at the Praman, the evidence of how to 
accomplish something. I mean, the Vedas are basically primarily involved in what? They're primarily involved and, and centered around um, having fulfillment, attaining fulfillment in life. And in order to do that, the primary methodology is through sacrificial performances. So these are not, you know, we can imagine how much goes into the construction of a, of a large skyscraper. I mean, how, how, many, how many things have to come together to pull that off perfectly? From the from the from the beginning idea to the conclusion, what's involved in order to get this building up and to um, reap the rewards of such an endeavor? So you have the initial ideas, then those ideas you go over with people that know how to put your ideas into uh, into uh, a design that will work. Maybe prior to that, you say, I don't want just any old building. I want the most uniquely designed and constructing, constructed building that's possible. So I need to get and, uh, and someone who can put the aspects of of the technology of constructing a building along with the with the aspects of the artistic presentation of a building, the aesthetics of the building. And now we see there's architectural presentations in this world that are just like they're mind blowing. Of course, if we knew the intricacies of some of the old buildings, they're also mind-blowing. We don't even know how they built the pyramids. You know, what does, I mean, they, there's just no way without our technology. No, there's no way with our technology that we could do that. How did they do that? So, but we see buildings that are like eggs in the middle of cities. I mean, you know, uh, there's some pretty far-out architectures out there. Of what, of what can be done. So just imagine, just take a moment and just think, okay, you're going to build that egg-shaped skyscraper in the middle of Tokyo or wherever the hell it is. But I've seen a picture of it, but I, I know it exists. I don't know where it is. I don't know who the architect was. I don't know who, des who the designer was. I don't know who the financial backers were. I don't know what their objective was. I don't know what's but imagine they worked all that out. Then to, to procure all the workers, all the craftsmen that made all those pieces fit together after you had a whole team of people just getting the pieces there. I mean, and then all the equipment inside the building because it's like a living thing. It's got to have air, it's got to have heat, it's got to have light, it has to have cooling, it has to have a way to deal with emergencies. It's, wow. So, there's no less detailed knowledge required to pull off a sacrifice that's going to give you entrance to heaven. There is a way to pull all the pieces together and all the personnel together, and all the ingredients together in a specific way, even so far as to, as we'll see Jiva says in this Anacheta, you take the reins. One of the, one of the, one of the instructions is, and, and, and we have to take the reins. Well, then you have to know, well, for a sacrifice, the reins are the reins of the animals that are bringing the ingredients to the sacrifice so it can be constructed, the, the sacrificial arrangement. They make pits and they do all kinds of stuff. Well, but, this, but the, in the scripture it only says you, you take the reins. Well, there's only two animals that are used to do that work. It's either the reins of a, of a, 
of a donkey or the reins of a horse. But it doesn't specify which. So that's where we're kind of go, going tonight is into those area, areas of hermeneutics, of interpretation, where, well, how do we put the pieces together in a presentation like the Vedas to know whether it should have been a horse or a mule? Because we know we got to take the, the reins because that's one of the one of the instructions in in doing the sacrifice that one of these two animals have to have, have to be part of it and they have to so just telling me to pick up the reins doesn't give me enough information so we're going to kind of go into that if I can ever get there so well, let me read a little bit from Jiva here so I'm sorry, I didn't quite, quite finish my point there. Because there's that much separation. Remember we spoke in the last class about what? Separation from the declarative statement. Uh, the declarative statement might be perform this Agnihotra sacrifice to attain entrance into heaven. That's a declarative statement. Doesn't need any interpretation. I don't need to think about it. If I want to go to heaven, I perform this sacrifice. But there's other statements in scripture like take the reins or like that have more distance from that declaration. So according to the distance from that direct declaration, those statements, they still have to be tied back to an objective. So Jiva is showing us that of the six pramanas, one of them is a declarative statement, sabda, uh, not sabda, uh, shruti, declarative statement, shruti. So there's a declarative statement we have one of those in the Bhagavad Purana. And what he's showing is even the other types of statements that are not direct declarative statements, they also point to this main statement that Krishna is the objective of the book. He is the supreme personality of Godhead. Swayam Bhagavan. So how do those... Let me show you in my Krishna Sandarbha, how you cannot arrive at any other conclusion, even through those other kind of statements that are de definitely used in the literature, than to come to the conclusion that Krishna is the objective of those also. So we there's no distance in our understanding as far as Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, right? It's direct, direct. I don't need any interpretation. Krishna's the supreme personality of Godhead. <laughs> okay, so what about other kinds of statements? That's what hermeneutics is, and he's showing how there are, of course, other kinds of statements in any literature, and they exist in the Bhagavatam. So you can also see them, and let me give you examples of them in the literature to show that they also indicate that Krishna is the objective and the supreme personality of Godhead. That's where we are now. That's what he's doing. Why is he doing it? Because you can't have a literature that's devoid of these kind of statements. They have to be there. Not every statement in a literature is a declaration. There's other kinds of, of, of this discourse going on. So... Let me show you that in this literature, all that discourse is pointing to Krishna. You could say, well, I know that. Well, yeah, you could say that. And then we could go on to something else. But we're students here and we're all learning and we're learning how the, the, how that we can develop the fine discrimination to not only fully enter into the deepest understanding of Krishna through the Bhagavat Purana, but we can also 
provide that knowledge to others in such a way that they can, that are that are that they can see even if we can't express in our words the deepness of this understanding they can see through our conviction that we've been convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt and that has a provocative effect not everyone is a, is is, a, is an excellent teacher that's okay but in one respect they may not be a teacher of scripture but they're a teacher as a vaishnav of love just by observing their conduct the way they walk in the world the way they act in the world so vakya this is the third praman of uh, the sat praman sentence or syntactical connection jiva writes here a vakya is defined as a linguistic utterance subda consisting of a number of words unit word units pada know that term pada within a sloka there's different padas related to each other through syntactical expectancy akangsa somatic competence yogyata and word element contiguity yeah contiguity a sati which establish a unitary meaning the following utterance is an example of avakya and then jiva gives us a verse from the bhagavatam indeed in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing this Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhakti took Sri Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, Parama Purusha, self manifests in a person's heart, dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. Jiva goes on. And now he's going to bring in something from, from uh, the parts of the Vedas that deal with sacrifice as another example. And he says, it says that the significance of this verse as a Vakya is demonstrated by the following example. In the context of Vedic ritual, we find a mon- the mantra, I won't read it, grasping the reign of truth. Tataria Samhita. The application of this mantra is clearly indicated to be in the matter of taking hold of reins in general. Then, according to the Brahmana section, the Vedas, they have four sections in each of the four parts. Um, or four sections. The Brahmana section, uh, Padasadic section, um, Samhita, and so on. He grasped the reins of the horse. So later it says what animal you grasp the reins of it is made evident that the above mantra is to be employed specifically when taking up the horse's reins similarly in the bhagavat now he goes back to okay that's the way you could see it under the purva mamamsa which is where we come up with this whole method of interpretation now let's go back to this declare this not declarative statement this vakya in the Bhagavat Purana. So he goes back to that. And he says the following. Similarly, in the Bhagavat 174, that's the verse we just read. I'm sorry, 177 is what we just read. Similarly, in the Bhagavat 174, we find the statement, in his pure heart, which is established in perfect fixity through yoga of unalloyed devotion, he, Vyas, saw the original complete person, Purusham Purnam. Here, there is an unspecified mention of Purna Purusha from the, from the later verse. Then, by the Vakya, cited above, 177, the Purna Purusha is identified as Krishna. This is a, this is a Vakya. Basically, 
within a, within an area of the text, we can see that the the subject is more fully explained. So I'll read a little from the commentary and then we'll call it an afternoon. A vacuum or sentence is a, comp is a composite expression constituted of syntactical related words that establish a unitary meaning. A kungsa or syntactic expectancy refers to the need of a word to be complemented in its meaning by other words in the linguistic structure. So, a kansa is one of the uh, is one of the vakyas, and this is the one that Jiva uses as the to explain it to us here in his Anucheda. And basically, it's saying that if you didn't have that earlier statement that made it clear that that what's the words that they're using here for Krishna uh, Parama Purusha if you didn't have a statement explaining explicitly what Purusha you're talking about Supreme Purusha I mean what are we talking about Karnadakshai Vishnu, Garbadakshai Vishnu is a Purusha. Kashira Dakshai Vishnu is a Purusha. He's a Purusha avatars. All there's other avatars of the Supreme Lord that are also you could call Supreme Purushas, creators. So who are we referring to here in this statement? Uh, in the Bhagavatam that comes in his pure heart. Vyasudev, which was established in perfect fixity through yoga of unalloyed devotion, he, Vyas, saw the original complete person, Purusham Purnam. Which one did he see? I want to know. I mean, I want to know which manifestation of the Supreme that Vyasudev experienced, don't I? It would be nice to know. I mean, he, he went into Samadhi, Narada said, you know. So who, which Purusha did he see? This is a Vakya. That in close proximity to this statement is the earlier statement. I'm sorry. In close proximity to this statement is a later statement that clarifies who that Purusha is. And that statement is the verse that Jiva Goswami gives. Indeed, in the very act of receptively and attentively hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhakti to Sri Krishna, who is the Supreme Person, Parama Purushe, manifests in a person's heart dispelling lamentation, illusion, and fear. So the author has basically resolved the quandary of the reader. You didn't know who Vyasadeva actually experienced in his transcendental revelation. Now, what is it? Three slokas later, it's clear it was Sri Krishna, that Purusha, Parama Purusha. So that's the Vakya. Now, Vakya is just that there's a questionable sentence and then it's... It's not... For, yeah, you don't I really know. It. Right. It's like the, the, the statement from the sacrifice, sacrificial part. Is it just the first part, the unclear? No, 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 no. The whole process. The connection. Okay. The Vakya is the connection. Um. In verse 174, it is said that Vyas saw the complete person, but there is no mention of his identity. Verse 177 fulfills that need, naming the complete person as Sri Krishna. 
From this analysis, it is concluded that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, described in 1.3.28. So again, these kind of statements are there in the Bhagavatam, and you'll see that no matter where they are, they the main subject always points back to Krishna. So in the next discussion, we'll go into uh, Prakarana, or context, and an understanding of this. There's one statement here. Um, Since the six hermeneutical indicators are drawn from Purva Mimamsa, Sri Jiva first demonstrates their application within that field in order to draw a correspondence to their relevance within the Bhagavat. So, I don't know why he chose to do that, but that's the way he does it. There's there's some additional evidence there that, of course, in any other 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 literature, spiritual literature, there's there's going to also be statements that aren't declarative statements, and all of those statements have to point to the main objective. So in the in the in the context of uh, the Purva Mimamsa, and, the, and so what are you doing a sacrifice for? Who's going to perform the sacrifice? What are the ingredients for the sacrifice? Or as we heard in the last discussion, what was it? Which way did the, 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 uh, grass. the grass has to be cut? Or which way is it going to point? Who's going to sit on the grass? Is it going to be a Deva? Is it going to be a Brahmana? And when are they going to sit? Do they sit before the sacrifice, during the sacrifice, after the sacrifice? So it's, as I said, just like building a skyscraper, you know, pulling off a sacrifice perfectly without any flaw, you got to have a lot of, you got a lot of things got to be put in place. And if they're not put in place, then, you know, instead of getting that demon you wanted to kill Indra, you could have the opposite effect. So I'll stop there for today. Any questions? It's a little terse, but it's interesting. It really is to to understand Jiva going to this much trouble to make it beyond, you know. And he's just basically saying to us as students, any way you look at it, take any lens you want to and and take, you know, magnify the Bhagavat through any perspective that you desire. And you can only arrive at one conclusion, that this book is about Krishna and the objective of the book is allowing you entrance into a loving relationship with him. And in the heart of the book, in the in the 10th canto, you're going to see how all those relationships play out. You're going to be granted entrance into the intimacy of the most deep loving relationships available between yourself and the Supreme Lord. So go for it. This is entrance. Now you can understand this. And then there's elaboration. And then there's detailed knowledge. I mean, all this. And it's only to bring us to this conclusion that I want to love this manifestation of the Supreme because there is no other manifestation that can reciprocate as fully as he can with his devotees. And there's no other manifestation of the Supreme Lord where he, he displays that reciprocation to the degree he does as Krishna in Vraj. So it's all meant to take us there. I know that, you know, here we are studying these these approaches, but it's all it's all pointing in that direction. So if we keep our eye on the on the objective, we'll see. This is just this is just shoring up. It's just solidifying our conviction 
solidified conviction means that you know we're no longer practicing with tender faith our faith in Krishna is fully absolutely informed beyond any shadow of a doubt and if we walk away from the Sandarbas and still have a shadow of a doubt we need to go back and read them again so we'll start the class again I mean, we've, we're only 340 lectures into this, so you know, we'll be another 500 lectures to get through to the end, and then we can go back and do another thousand, and then we'll understand it more deeply, because it doesn't it doesn't become old. But we're going to be so established that it's going to be whoa, yeah, okay. Now all the pieces fit together even better. That's the way it is with the Bhagavat Purana. The more we go into it, the deeper we go the more sense it makes. The more, the more, you know, the stronger our foundation of that understanding is. It gets to a point where, well, we can't even go on in any, I can't read this book anymore. I mean, you know, Gnadhar couldn't, couldn't read, he couldn't even get through it without just pouring, tears pouring from his eyes. (laughs) So that's our objective, where we're just overwhelmed by this literature. So a little foundation's not going to hurt us. Anything else? Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Bunch of